we're largely the the pioneers of of technology in agriculture around the world um you know i think that's something really to be proud of you know g'day and welcome to the farms vice podcast with your host jack creswell whether you farm it service it or just love it this podcast is for you We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Right, well, Heath Joyner, thank you very much for joining me on the Farms Advice podcast. Great to have you on here and I'm pretty keen to nerd out on the parts industry of what KSIH brings, but Heath, Welcome to Farms Advice and also the Case IH series. Thanks very much, Jack. Uh, real honour and privilege to be involved in, in, in this. 100%. And behind you, you've got a couple of models there. Actually, I've got the Tiger 580 um, behind <laughs> I picked up from AgQuip just last year, actually. Good to see we have some common interests. But Heath, before we get stuck into some Case IH agribusiness, get down to it, Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got yourself into your role at KSIH. Yeah, so um, I, I guess um, like a lot of people in our organisation, I grew up on a dairy farm in north, northern Victoria, uh, a little town, or a, a farm just in between Kyabram and Lancaster, not yep. far from Shepparton um, in, in northern Vic. Um, my father was um, a keen dairy farmer, a keen breeder of Holstein cows, uh, right up until the day he retired a couple of years ago. Um, obviously did school there, um, joined the Air Force straight out of school, um, um, spent my time as an aircraft engine and airframe technician or a, a black hander, as I were quite often coined. Um, um, so spent seven, nearly seven years in the Air Force uh, fixing F-111s principally um, yeah. up here, you know, not far out of Ipswich. Um, I guess a few things happened, but ultimately was looking for a way back to ag um, and found a place with a, with a Case IH dealership in northwestern New South Wales at Moree, um, which I joined as a, as a field service technician. Um, worked my way, I guess, through the, from ground up there as a field service guy doing mainly tractor services at the time. Uh, moved on to service manager. And then when I guess life circumstances changed and had to move back to Brisbane, I looked for an opportunity uh, with a couple of our key suppliers, but um, yeah, found a home with Case IH at that time, and I've sort of been here in a in a couple of different roles ever since. So, yeah, fifteen years now with with Case IH and I guess the broader organisation. Amazing and probably forever evolving as well. No day is the same, as I say in agriculture. Probably the biggest cliche, but the most truest as well. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, you know, when you look at even the evolution. Um, that that um, farm machinery technology has taken even over the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know that probably the simplest analogy is if I take um, the biggest tractor that Case Age built back then, you know, in the late 90s, very early 2000s was, you know, 425 horsepower. It was a, a 9390 four-wheel drive Steiger. You know, uh, within a couple of years, in fact, by 2011, you know, we had a Steiger 600, uh, which peaked out at 670 horsepower. Um, in fact, even now, um, our largest front wheel assist, assist tractor has got more horsepower than the biggest four wheel drive uh, that we did back then. So even if you just use that, 
there's a lot of change, but then, you know, obviously with the technology continuing to, to creep uh, its way through Australian agriculture, and we're largely the, the pioneers of, of technology in agriculture around the world, um, you know, I think that's something really to be proud of. You know, I, I know a lot of people from Australia do study tours to other countries, in particular to North America, um, you know, looking for that next thing. But, you know, I think the Australian farmer in the most part is by far more resourceful and resilient and technology adoptive than, than most other areas around the world. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of the launching pad, the sandbox for the farmers to play around in, pretty much break the machine, try to break it, um, and how that can sort of learn and be taken into the development of parts, services, and also the machinery in the end. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we try and break our machinery here. <laughs> but certainly, look, we, we, it's imperative for us. You know, we're not protected by a lot of the, you know, um, subsidies and uh, and government programs that maybe other farmers enjoy around the world. So certainly, you know, we've we've got to make every minute a winner. And I, I think there's an expectation that, you know, if, if, a, if a machine says it can do 100%, it should do 100%. Um, so we certainly push them to their limit, that's for sure. But I wouldn't say we intentionally go and draw and break them. <laughs> no, of course not. So, hey, tell me about your role as Parts and Services Head of, and it's for ANZ, isn't it, Australia? And yeah, yeah, it is. Look, um, it's a big role, um, you know, but I, I think one that structurally fits uh, very well. Uh, you know, while there's the usual um, jibing between streams, uh, you know, as we do as, as Australians, I mean, we only put shit on people we like, right? Um, you know, that jibing between, you know, who's most important uh, and who isn't uh, is always going to exist there. But the reality is that parts and service must form a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Uh, one can't really do its job without the support of the other and vice versa. Um, so to have, I guess, you know, both those critical elements, you know, so I guess sitting under that after sales banner, working together and side by side uh, to make sure we keep machines operational um, is a critical success, success factor for us. Um, you know, so uh, we've got, you know, the warehouse and, and, and you know, inventory planning um, and, um, you know, looking through, um, you know, I guess the business with a real forward focused lens, given our lead times that we have to work with um, around the world. I mean, we're relying on suppliers all around the world to, and we've got to have that stuff here in preparation for those um, seasonal events that take place. Um, that's becoming more challenging. Uh, likewise, you know, the machinery is becoming more complex. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, everyone, every one of your listeners would uh, sympathise with the fact that good people are hard to find, especially in Australian agriculture at the moment. We're no different. We rely on people that have come from farming backgrounds um, uh, that live in regional areas to be able to, you know, I mean, they just get it right. Um, they understand what, what happens at dealerships. They understand what happens on farms. They understand the time critical nature of what it is we do. Um, so getting good people from a technical perspective in particular is probably our single biggest challenge that the country faces right at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe not even locked into what agriculture is, but the time sensitive nature of what agriculture is brings a whole nother level of challenges from that. 
Um, but let's look at the industry where we are currently. We, well, it's a bit of a mixed bag here on the east coast. Yeah, it's also pretty prime conditions over in WA and towards the middle as well. They're having good conditions. Yep. What's happening in the industry? We all sort of thought planting like the biggest crop that we're going to get off. Um, it's probably been downplayed a little bit now because of the weather happening. But what are you seeing in terms of parts and service? Like, has that sort of changed for you? Uh, yeah, look, I, I guess, again, you know, we've got so many ded people dedicated and primed yep. for this time of the year, right? It, it, it is a really difficult time of the year. Every, every process uh, we've got is tested. Um, and, you know, that's typically characterised by we, you know, we sort of nearly start on a certain day and within reason you sort of finish on a certain day and there's not a lot of downtime in between this year like a, uh, i think i mentioned earlier you know it's going to be a season characterized by um it's going to be very long but characterized by some periods of some really high intensity interspersed with probably not you know periods of not doing much and uh, there's promise and pitfall in in both of those elements. One, you could look at those debt periods of downtime, particularly for technical support staff in dealerships and us. We can take a breath. Um, but, you know, again, given the, um, you know, the nature and availability of technical staff in the field, you know, it's just going to give them an opportunity to catch up, not necessarily catch their breath per se. Um, it's going to... I guess it will obviously play a toll on farmers um, and producers, uh, but it, it pays a big toll on our staff as well, because we know that, you know, perfectly rational people, yeah. you know, for 11 months of the year can turn, you know, it, you know, it gets to them after a while. And our guys, guys and gals get, uh, end up getting the receiving end of that from time to time. And that can wear you down a little bit, but we get it. We know what it's like. Um, it's a high pressure time of the year and, and uh, we'll, we always do our best to make sure we deliver uh, and support customers. Yeah, 100%. There's a bit of a hustle and bustle in the paddock and also in the shop and parts sort of industry to get that, um, get that uptime sort of going and roll yeah. for that paddock. It's pretty paramount for farmers to keep rolling. I shared a photo today actually about a header getting chased down by a storm and that's what yep. it's sort of, that's, the analogy of what's happening currently? Yeah, look, we do a lot to, to get people um, that, you know, work, work in our warehouse or, you know, in other support roles out to farms yep. um, at, at different times of the year to help them uh, understand. I mean, at one of our major warehouses, obviously in Sydney, um, a lot of those people have got, you know, very limited experience and exposure to, to Australian agriculture and, and maybe fall victim from time to time to the perception that, agriculture is a a pretty crazy lifestyle and you know in to some degree it is but you know at these times of the year it's far from that um and so we do a lot to try and help them understand the critical nature uh, of timeliness yeah but also you know um you know we i use the analogy quite a lot you know you know take the example of the storm you brought up just a moment ago you can turn a crop from you know, 400 bucks a ton to 200 bucks a ton, you know, in 15 or 20 minutes with a storm, how would you like it if I walked into you and said, you're losing half your salary for no fault of your own? Um, and that sort of brings things home pretty quickly. So. I could imagine. Um, and also like coming into these sort of peaks and troughs, we all sort of tend to think about harvest, broad acre, 
Um, we know harvest goes right the way through agriculture, well into horticulture, and your machinery is used right throughout it as well. Yep. But through those peaks and troughs, come through planning time to harvest time. Where are these wear and tears sort of coming from? Because we spoke to Pete, the GM of Case, mm-hmm. and he had pretty insightful um, elements in his episode of like how much Case is dialing down on what sort of parts are performing, what aren't, and yeah. how they can actually, how you're improving these as a running sort of dialogue? Yeah, look, it's a great question, Jack. Uh, the simple answer to that is, uh, you know, um, it changes all the times and mostly with conditions, um, you know, that machines experience in the field. Um, you know, in drought years or particularly dry years, you know, we, we tend to see a lot of, you know, wear through machinery because the crop head carries a lot of dust uh, in it. Um, you know, whereas, you know, years like this, um, you know, we tend to see probably a lot more major failure um, of, you know, crop, is, crops he- crop heads are, they're shallow root systems, crop heads are heavy. Um, um the crop falls over we get a bit of wind crop falls over so we're down on the deck we're picking up everything we can to make sure we get all that crop heads now we pick up in that process we pick up sticks rocks tines discs (laughs) all sorts of matter you know ends up going through in particular combines this time of year causing you know major damage it's hard on drive lines with wet conditions as well um so yeah, every year is different. We spend a lot of time uh, analysing uptime data, uh, up analysing part um, demand data, uh, looking at weather patterns. Um, you know, our planning, for argument's sake, our planning uh, for next year's harvest is actually starting now. Yeah, uh, we've already placed our orders to have parts into this country uh, for next year's seeding. Uh, you know, we, we, we need to be working sort of no, uh, 12 to nine to 12 months out from the actual season that we're going into. Uh, we look at machine and product behavior over a period of time. Uh, so we're encompassing things like telematics data, um, um, uh, warranty failure data, um, physical meetings with dealerships. Um, in different states around the country and and understand from them and grab that anecdotal evidence. And there's various other means by which we grab information, bring it together into organized forums um, and really pull it apart to understand what's going on as a means to best predicting what's going to happen next time around and what we need to be prepared for. So um, we take machine uptime extremely seriously um, with, you know, you know, I'll use a, a, a separate standalone meeting uh, amongst senior management to, to, to monitor what's going on and make sure we're on top of things. Because again, we just know the critical nature. It's, it's not necessarily the cost of the repairs nowadays. It, it's the cost of the downtime that, that really affects customers. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think farmers are looking to measure that downtime more so the cost towards um, and that impact that it can have in the end. Um, for that, and, and yeah. I'll probably just add to that though. It's it's not. I mean, I talk a lot about the obvious grain harvest, but yeah. you know, the cane industry in particular um, is another one that really is very sensitive to to machine downtime. 
Um, I mean, they all are, but, you know, those two are, are standouts. Yes, yeah, certainly. And we've had some great examples coming through on the series talking all about that and jumping across into the different sectors from Kane to Broadacre, yeah. um, across the culture as it goes along. But forecasting for yourself as farmers, we like to for- get the forecast for the weather, but forecasting the parts, how is that done? And is it a bit of a spider web of where these go and like that nine, 12 months ahead? How's that done? Yeah, look, it, 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 I guess it starts with, um, I guess it starts with understanding um, one, the vehicle park, what do we physically have out there to begin with and where is it? Um, it looks, we, we look at, take a really deep dive um, in understanding part demand, not just here locally, but also from other markets around the world. Um, we uh, will quite often, uh, and I guess, you know, in, in utilising new technologies coming through, um, you know, uh, telematics data can quite often, you know, there's a real opportunity to use telematics data as a means to understanding machine utilisation uh, as well. Um, uh, the next element is, you know, obviously the service and warranty records you know, what, what's typically being claimed under warranty um, yep. as, as well. So there's, a, like I said, there's a whole raft of data sources that we have to bring together and, you know, I guess to some degree um, put some new batteries in our magic wands and crystal balls every now and again and try and come out with something. But the science is getting better. I mean, the tools, the business intelligence tool that are available to, to OEs, you know, like us, are getting better and better all the time. We've got some awesomely talented people yeah. um, that love their numbers um, that we, you know, that have come together and, and understand what it is uh, that we need to do in keeping machines operational. And, and look, I don't, I'm no, I'm no expert in that space. I rely on them implicitly um, to get it right. And, and, you know, I think um, over the last couple of years in particular in, you know, even through COVID, um, you know, in Australia, we've been able to maintain, um, you know, fill rates probably better than most other markets around the world, in spite of being so far away from the rest of the world where our product comes from. Absolutely. And probably moving into the statement of like, do you agree with the statement that farmers probably from the impact of COVID are actually starting to store a couple of bit more parts um, so they're ready to react um, with a breakdown or something like that with stress of the equipment and that's relieved you and you felt that impact from the yeah I think yeah I think um, yeah farmers certainly have started to increase their own parts holdings certainly our dealers have and, and I think that's a phenomenon not just felt in agriculture right across Australian industry in general you know inventory that you know it could have been argued that you know was pretty easy and close to get prior to COVID hasn't been yep. um, so they've been able to justify a, a greater level of in- inventory being held locally in Australia and we're no different to that um, you know that's been exacerbated by again I, I guess the lead times blowing out um, to physically get those parts into depots around the world to begin with as well we've got that transit time we need to deal with so yeah certainly we've increased our inventory holding here in Australia significantly over the last two years um, ultimately, customers will be the benefit of that, but but dealers themselves um, need to have a, a big pat on the back to recognise the need to do that themselves. And having 
you know, a little bit more on shelves. Absolutely. And probably keeping track of your sort of service for your different machinery, what has that done and has it changed over the years you've seen SOH for farmers like being more critical in making sure that it is service on time after it's 100 hour to 100 or 1000 hour? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, the answer is yes, particularly um, with harvest equipment. Yeah. Um, you know, over a lot of years, I think there's been a general recognition by, by, by growers to um, really invest um, in preventative maintenance. We don't see it a lot on the tractors yet. And I, and I encourage people, you know, if there was one bit of advice, you know, um, I could give is, you know, for, for a couple of different reasons, consider the tractor in the same mindset. Um, it needs preventative maintenance as well. Um, you know, to coin a phrase uh, that I use quite often, chance favours the prepared mind. If, if, we, if we're investing in that equipment and we're doing as much as we can on a preventative basis, you know, the chances of a major failure or breakdown in season is reduced. Um, but, you know, you know I, I mean, I know some areas around the country where, uh, you know, uh, this season will finish, they'll blow the machine down and they'll drive it straight from their farm to their dealership um, and they'll commence the pre-season process for next year's harvest straight away. And there's, there's a number of advantages in that, you know, outside of, you know, um, uh, making sure you're prepared for next year as, as an operator or as an owner, it gives the dealership time to schedule work. It gives um, both the dealership and us opportunity to understand what parts are required and get them here. Uh, in a timely and a cost-effective manner. Um, and then once they're here, then, you know, technicians in particular, instead of going through these really big highs and lows of huge work requirements, it allows them to schedule their work over that full year to keep them yep. busy all year round and then not avoid that really big rush towards the end. So there are a lot of advantages for every stakeholder, you know, in the preventative maintenance change to, re to really look um, you know, at, at approaching vehicle maintenance that way. Yeah, it really is looking at that preventable sort of element prior to coming up into it. Um, and as farmers, we're getting a bit more savvier. So straight after harvest, getting it into for its maintenance yep. service um, is probably the best sort of thing we can do to keep that uptime. And also, once we go into planting season, we don't have to worry about our harvest gear um, as it's sort of taken care of and rolling into harvest there's nothing worse than having to get on the crop tomorrow and your header or something's not quite ready to go yeah um, and you're having some stressful times ahead as the farmer especially this year you've only got like a I know a couple of day window or something if a storm's coming just chasing after another one um, pretty important to get right yeah absolutely um, you know uh, life's tough enough and farming's tough enough without, you know, ignoring some of those things that um, some of those challenges that we sort of knew were there, but didn't do anything about earlier on. And then we get to peak season and then something else goes wrong. It all just sort of compounds. And so, yeah, anything um, we can do from a, that, that's our main game is to keep meat machines operational and avoid those in-season breakdowns with preventative maintenance. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have an in-season breakdown, but you are at least minimizing or mitigating your risk. Yeah. Um, and, um, 
you know, again, it, take the parts out of it, even if we look at the technical um, ability that we've got out there and that limitation we've got on, on technicians, you know, they're run ragged already. Um, you know, uh, anything you can do to reduce your reliance on those guys um, will, will be, you know, obviously be a big advantage in season. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's about um, dotting your I's and crossing your H's yeah. for case I H yeah. um, <laughs> for that one. But moving into like the sort of digital age, we've got a lot of sort of things working into it. Ag takes a big buzz, but also within our machinery, it's improved drastically over the last 20 years, as you would know. Um, but how are farmers sort of working with this, updating their sort of skill set to be able to work um, with this to the best ability? We spoke with Sean with AFS Connect, how that's working for farmers, collecting the data to improve yeah. your own farm. And also for yourself, your machine data off the back of that. But what about, how does this work in terms of parts and services and what are farmers sort of looking for? that you've seen? Yeah, uh, again, I, I think uh, in, in a lot of cases at the moment, um, it's sort of um, a little bit of a situation. You don't know what you don't know. You don't really fully appreciate what, you know, things like connected vehicles can bring to the table from a, a product and service point of view, sorry, a parts and service point of view. I think, um, you know, our main aim is always to maintain ship machine uptime. Um, and, you know, the ability to, you know, we receive um, early warnings or fault codes, notification of fault codes that exist in a machine. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, for a lot of farmers themselves, they're not always the ones driving the machines, right? And, you know, we rely on labour from all over the world. Some, some of it is, um, you know, not, you know, hasn't had a lot of exposure to machinery. Um, you know, and mightn't always fully understand what a, you know, a stop engine light means or, a, you know, an amber alert might mean. So, I mean, the peace of mind that comes from, you know, ha having someone either, you know, at our level as, as the OE or at a dealership locally, you know, watching machines and gathering this data and, you know, making a phone call either to the, either to the operator themselves or to, you know, the owner and say, hey, do you realise that, you know, you've got this critical warning active on your machine? Um, do you want to go and, you know, do you want us to do something about it? Do you want, do you want to go and do something about it? Can you call the operator, find out what's going on? I think there's a, a real opportunity for peace of mind for customers uh, in that space. You know, likewise, you know, the opportunity for serviceability. Um, again, our lives are complicated enough as it is. If a dealership is making a call to say, hey, this thing is due for service. When can we schedule it in? Um, you know, that's one less thing the owner has to worry about, you know, of all the other things going on on, on in his or, or her world. So I think there's some real simplicity um, uh, that we can realise over time, yep. um, you know, and then outside of that, it's, you know, operational data. Um, you know, what, what opportunity does it offer us by way of understanding, you know, long-term reliability and durability. And that's ultimately a big advantage for all, for all users and customers. Yeah, definitely. And I think looking from that, we can see the sort of journey of where parts and services and the increased sort of serviceability that's needed for that sort of technology coming in through and also how much we're getting out of the machinery currently 
opposed to 20 years ago is immeasurable for that. But what do you think the parts and service industry or sector of KSH looks like for the next five to 10 years? Where is it sort of tending to go? Um, uh, you know, I, I think there will be a greater, I do think there'll be a greater uh, leverage on, you know, on information. I mean, fundamentally, you know, I, I don't know that our role will change that much. I think there will be some diversification in skill set, you know, as, as manufacturers continue to, um, you know, look at things like alternative fuels and electrification. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you're in the mines, you're not just a diesel guy anymore. You know, there's as many high voltage electrical guys as there are the diesel guys. So, you know, what happens in that space in time frame? I'm not too sure. You know, the agricultural technician in particular, um, you know, um, uh, you know, while there are some specialty people as well, guys in agricultural, um, and I, when I say guide, like guys and girls that work as technicians uh, in agriculture don't have the luxury of just being a specialist in, you know, in engines or transmissions or drive lines or hydraulics. You know, they have to be a jack of all trades across the electricals, across the precision farming systems, the transmissions, drive lines, uh, and even implements now, you know, with smarter implements, you know, making commands on the tractor. Uh, you know, balers telling tractors how fast to go in order to maintain 100% productivity. So, you know, understanding, you know, agronomic conditions as well is, is requirement. So the, 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 from a service perspective, um, it's a, it, there will be a continuing evolution in the skill set required for them. From a parts perspective, um, you know, we'll continue to introduce more business intelligence to make our forecasting better um, and more accurate to make sure that we've got the right place in the right time. Uh, we'll leverage, you know, I think to a greater extent, you know, localized, uh, probably more regionalized, um, you know, parts hubs where we've got, you know, a given amount of inventory located strategically around the country to make sure that again, access to those bigger and larger parts is, is fast. Yeah. Um, so, but fundamentally, I, I mean, our, our role is to, from a parts perspective is, yeah, won't change too much. Um, I, I don't think it, it will be more a leverage of that business intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. By the sounds of it, it's all about that sort of compounding one percenters. Hey, automate the process, especially within parts and service being so demanding at peaks and troughs um, for that, but also trying to spread that flow out across the year, um, right across that spider web of what you would have across your dealerships um, yep. for that. Interesting to see where it does go though, just like yourself, we're probably looking out for what's happening um, in five years to 10 years or what's even happening now. For those planting or waiting to get on. But Heath, for this episode, what would you like the listeners to take away from this about parts and services for those already midway through their planting season. And for those like us waiting for a drop of rain to get started. <laughs> uh, look, I, I go uh, probably um, a couple of things. Um, look, I, I fully accept that it's going to be um, a, a frustrating year and, 
very intense and people will just want to get the crop off. But, you know, machine machinery is not indestructible. Yeah. Um, it does have its limitations. Um, so I guess please be aware of that. Uh, be aware of the people that are, are around to support you, both, you know, with us directly, but also within dealerships. They're human beings as well. Um, you know, um, I, I know that, again, towards the end of the season, people get tired and cranky and frustrated. But, like, like again, they're out there performing um, a huge support service to probably a, a foundational in industry of this country. They love doing it. Um, I love doing it. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it'd be nice to be able to do it without some of the anger sometimes. Yeah. But we get it, like I said. Um, and then the last bit is, you know, just be really aware of preventive maintenance and, and what that is actually worth, um, you know, to your overall operation year in, year out. It, it, it's an investment worth making um, over the long term. And the earlier you choose to do that, uh, the better it is for all stakeholders involved in that support chain. 100%. In the last few years, just goes to show how hard farmers have had it with those few wet years and over here on the west coast not for everyone but it is getting a fair bit dry especially for our own farm here so hopefully everyone can hold out wherever you're listening to this episode if you're going into planting season you're still harvesting your summer crop i'm sure and we do we wish you the very best for your season coming ahead um but Heath, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast i think this is a great little wrap um, for leading into harvest for those that already started, but how can actually people contact yourself maybe, or even their local dealership? What's the best way to go about um, being more prepared and planning? Yeah, look, um, uh, certainly, I mean, I'm available on probably the main, the main um, one for me would be LinkedIn if people want to reach out via that. Yep. Um, you know, obviously your first port of call is your local dealer. Um, if you, obviously, if you're not sure who that is, then, you know, there is the Case IH website, um, as a means to that, but I'm, I'm sure most listeners would know where their local Case IH dealer is in town. Yep. Um, but certainly, you know, if people want to reach out to me directly, probably via LinkedIn would be the most appropriate, um, the approach, the most appropriate platform. Amazing. Well, Heath, thank you very much for coming on to FarmsWise podcast and the KSH series. Thanks very much for having me, Jack. It's been uh, it's been a hoot and a real and a real um, a humbling experience. This FarmsWise episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag FarmsAdvice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the FarmSize podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today. Mm -hmm.